That's a question we've got to ask ourselves every single day. Do you have a reason to live? And when I think about the moment that we're in right now, this uh, moment of Easter, and I think about the kind of the moment that we have together and the power behind Easter. You know, uh, Carson, again, she said that a few minutes ago, but it made me think even a little bit bigger that we've turned Easter into an event that really was meant to be an ongoing experience of resurrection in your life. And Jesus said this statement. He made really seven statements to identify himself. John recorded them. One of those statements, he said, they all began with the phrase, I am. And the Bible says, as, I am, as he is, so am I in this world. So this might just be you as well. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. When I think about that word life and I think about that term and you kind of do all the study of it and you go into the, the Greek, how the New Testament was originally written. I'm just telling you, it's one of the hardest words to define once you start looking at its definition because it's so big. It's so massive in its, in, its, in its capacity. And I think about life, I think about the world, I think about the world expanse of the world and the, everything that's going on in the world and you as an individual in your life. Life is just huge. And Jesus said that I am that life. But then he said this other powerful statement that I am the resurrection. And sometimes I think we skip past the importance of that word and we just make it about what, hey, don't get me wrong. I love the Easter basket just as much as you do. Big John brought me my famous uh, uh, confectionery sugar Easter egg yesterday. I don't like the peanut butter one. The Easter egg, the confectionery sugar, sugar thing. And it takes me back and it connects me to my past. My mom always made sure I had one. My wife bought me one this year too. And I like all the things about Easter that we love just as much as you do. But I don't want us to forget how powerful the moment of resurrection was that now is supposed to be or can be an everyday moment in our life of resurrection. And I would do you a huge disservice. And I've got a real strong message on my heart this morning. And but before I get to that, I want to just kind of maybe go back and read a quick snippet of the Easter story and, and just kind of let's jump into that together this morning. And So would you do me a privilege and stand up with me as we read it? You don't have to read it with me. I'm going to read it for you. And uh, as we do this together, just kind of picture what's happening in the moment. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary, the mother of James, went out and purchased special spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away from us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Look at somebody and say, it's already rolled aside. <laughs> uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. It just makes me feel good this morning. Uh, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. And guess what? He isn't here. <laughs> He's risen from the dead. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful, so honored, honored to be in the house with you this morning. Thank you for being Father. 
knows the heart, the thoughts, the purposes, the very attitudes of who we are. You saw us before we existed on this earth as individuals. You saw that we would need somebody bigger and greater than ourselves, Jesus, to step into our life and make a way and give us access to all of heaven. We were separated from that, from the fall of Adam, but he bought us back and redeemed us back. Went all the way into hell on that second day after the cross and beat the devil at his own game and restored life back to us as individuals and defeated death. Death has no sting to us anymore. And I'm so grateful that you sent the Holy Spirit to come to us, to teach us and to reveal to us the truths of the Word so we can understand the magnitude and the power behind them how much you love us and the love that was manifested that day in the tomb and came out of that tomb we're grateful for that love to work in us today and the word of god to come alive it's the foundation of what we stand on and everybody said amen 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 go find a couple people tell them you're glad to see them this morning let them know you're excited to be spending the morning with them Test, test. Well, again, if it's your first time with us, so grateful that you're here with us. And, um, you know, it's always our endeavor to take everyone in a church service and direct you to a place other than the individual speaking. Direct you to a place to where maybe you can know God or find out who he is or Maybe get to know more of who you already know who he is. And as that happens, we know are very serious that know what happens. Freedom steps into the life of an individual. Freedom from past. Freedom from the moment that you're in right now that might be a bondage to you. Freedom to be you. And when you get the freedom to be you, uh, matter of fact, my wife has always said that's what she likes about me so much. Uh, I'm like her king, you know. And, but what makes me king in her life is that I allow her to be who she is. Anyway, no one better in this world to allow you to be who you are than my Father God. And when he allows you to have freedom of life, something happens very cool. And, and then you really see that there is a purpose that you have in life. And a lot of people don't know that. And the world really tries to steal that from us. But you do got purpose. And uh, we say it again, like I said, we always understand we're better together. And when we're better together, you got purpose, you're free in God. You start making a difference. And I could think of nothing better than maybe you and I making a difference with each other this morning. Just maybe let's go into a scripture and we can kind of unpackage this thing a little bit this morning. And I'm going to take you into John chapter 11. If you want to go there with me on your iPad or your iPhone or, of course, we'll have the scriptures up on the screen with you as well. I'm going to look at a whole chapter with you. I want to go into it because I believe one thing that you'll see consistent in it is Jesus himself. And you're going to see a story unfold in the five characters, Jesus being number one, Lazarus. You may know Lazarus. He was risen from the dead. And you may know that there was Mary and Martha in that chapter, sisters to Lazarus, all three real good friends of Jesus, real close friends. And then you got the disciples. So we've got some great characters. And 
And I believe that as we look into each one of them, maybe we can relate to what was happening. Into I just like going into the stories and making myself sit in the story more than just reading the surface of what's happening. It just takes me a little longer to get it that way. And I've been in and out of this thing, man, all week long, and I've preached it back and forth and upside, downside, and preached it last night, and I still keep getting some good stuff out of it. But there's one thing that I want you to understand, that, that God, and we've said it over and over, that your story is being written every single day. And it's important to God. It's important to you. It's important to those around you. And as I get into this, I realize that, you know what, there are times we all have night times and day times in life. You know what I mean by that? Where, where there's down times and there's up times. That's kind of life. Easter kind of represents that in a way. There's Friday, when you look at what was happening on Friday, that was a, that was a horrific day in the life of Jesus. A lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And then when you look at Saturday, Saturday became a day of a lot of confusion because all of a sudden the one they were depending on, they kind of knew the story, but they didn't know the story. They were thinking about the story, but then all of a sudden he's gone and, and they saw how horrific Friday was. Then when Saturday came along, there was confusion and not knowing what to do with life and what's going to be the next step. And, but there's always an Easter Sunday. <laughs> and Sunday came and Jesus came up and he rose and man, here we are today. But it takes me back to my life. And I'm going to take you back into my story just a little bit. And I want you to maybe grasp some of the night times and some of the day times that I've had, some of the up times and the down times. I go back to one that was very important to me, probably the best day of my life, was when I met this hot thing, sexy hot mama. <laughs> Got married on October 17th, 1992. Thank you for that help. I was captivated by her looks. But that was a high moment of my life, man. We were, listen, we weren't like normal folk. I know that a lot of folk are thinking about the moment after the wedding. And don't get me wrong, I was thinking about that. But we were the last one to leave the dance floor at our wedding. We had a good time. We celebrated, and I had to catch a 6 o'clock red-eye flight the next morning, and it was 11.30, and I had an hour drive before I made that trip. But it was a high moment of my life. I was in some place that didn't matter. And then about uh, three years later, I had another high moment. I had my first child. Mackenzie, my little girl, came into my life. Whew. Man, you thought the world, world stopped at the moment, and it did. Not had any idea what kind of responsibility was getting ready to be put into my hands and a high moment of life. About 22 months later, a little boy came into my world. Another moment. The Westcots will live on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That's important. <laughs> We're going a long way. And, uh, but it was a high moment. And then there was a low moment that came into my life a few years later. Very low. Very dark day. My mom passed away at 52 years old. I'm 51. That's real close to the moment. And when she went on home to be with the Lord, she was jumping and shouting just like anybody else, I guarantee you, when she got to heaven. But it still was a bitter tight moment here on earth for me. I'd love to have her sitting there. Oh, I could see her at that sunrise. I don't picture a service without her. And I think that's just the grace of God on me. But I don't. She just was special. But that was a low moment. Everybody experiences life. 
You see, the three days of Easter will come into your life all the time. Friday, Saturday, but no, there's a Sunday. And then not long after that, we got the call to come here to the Outer Banks. This is my hometown. I grew up here, and, but we were pastoring in Ohio, and, and I had the dream job of an associate pastor. Man, I had a, a good salary. I had a nice home. I had all the natural material things that we all strive for, and and I uh, had my in-laws live in 30s. I like my in-laws. I love them. So, so they were 30 seconds away and, and uh, you know, a live-in babysitter, basically. Well, it's cool now. They're living with us now, so it's even better. But, um, but, I had the, but life was good and had lots of friends and lots of people and just loving life and doing life. And um, uh, I, I, then God called us to come back here. And on the way here, this was kind of a low moment and a high moment all at the same time. You ever had both of those? Man, it's like a bittersweet day. It's like a good day, but a bad day all at the same time. And Well, on the way here, 23rd birthday of my wife, Chase and I were in that 28-foot Penske truck, loving it, man. Just, we were loving driving a big truck. The back of it was so full, if you opened it, stuff's going to fall out. Everything I owned was with me. 50 gray chairs to come start the church, except my house, you know, of course, still had that. And, uh, but my wife and daughter, I felt so bad for them. Uh, not enough to stop, but behind me they were. <laughs> uh, 103 temperature my wife had, hives all over about that big. No air conditioning in the car, and it was 90 degrees. Whole way here. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I, that's when she first met Dr. Holton. Was when she got here, he put her on some medication. Said, "You just got too much stress," <laughs> and she's been on medication ever since. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't take pills at all. But um, I gotta clarify that. <laughs> oh, that's <was> funny. <laughs> I'm your drug. Uh, anyway, so here we go. We start this thing called Coastal Family Church 11 years ago. And, um, you know, who would have thought God would be doing what he's doing right now? If we hadn't weathered some of the night and knew that there was a Sunday coming, I wouldn't have got to meet my second son at 14 years old, Rashid Bryant, right over here to the right. Bless my life. I'm just telling you, he's unique, but he blessed my life. <laughs> I wouldn't have got to meet him, and he's made me be a better person. And there's another person that's come in our life somewhere along this path, and that's Carson back here in the very back. She's like another live-in, I guess. She's like our daughter. When you start giving them Easter baskets and start giving Christmas, <laughs> they're yours. <laughs> and uh, imagine... Can I get a show of him? How many 22-year-olds are supposed to still get Easter baskets? I'm like, come on. <laughs> You're outnumbered, guys. My wife told me that. She started sending out these texts this week. What do you want? What do you want? I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Their gifts cost a lot more. Uh, and they don't want just a couple chocolate eggs anymore. <laughs> anyway... Highs and lows, moments that we all have. And, and here we are, and I get to meet you. And if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have get to know you. I wouldn't have been with 250 people this morning, people that I didn't know, and, and enjoy some of your experiences and go through some of your highs and lows that you've had. I believe when we unpack this story here, 
you're going to see a very powerful thing in the resurrection and the life. How can I face those moments where they're like this? But how can I more face this moment when it's like this and know that there's another one of these coming? Let's go to John chapter 11. <clears throat> John chapter 11. I'm going to read this statement to you so you can kind of capture the heart of where I want to be. And Listen, sometimes we don't see how God is working in our lives in the moment. It's usually when we start looking back that we start to recognize the hand of God. Especially when things don't feel good. Especially when things don't make sense. But understand that it's a process that starts. The moment you start to look back at your past and you start looking to understand the now is only when you'll actually be able to start to see what the future you've got ahead of you. And I believe that that scene in the statement that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Started a series last week called the I Am series. Pastor Tiffany started off so well by saying, I am the bread of life. And you're blessed, broken, to be a blessing or to give it away. I'll never look at communion the same. And there's six other ones that he said, but I want to focus on this one here this morning that I am the resurrection and the life. And let me say this to you. You don't have to wait till Easter to experience this resurrection in your life. Now, can I define for you what the word resurrection means? It means to rise up. And to stand up when knocked down. Anybody ever been knocked down? If you lived any life, you've been knocked down. It means to hold up under pressure. Pressure is out there, guys. You got bills to pay. You got mouths to feed. You got jobs to keep. You got insurances to pay. You got gas to put in your car. That just went up to $2.59. I missed it three days ago. Could have got it cheaper. <laughs> it says this the word resurrection simply means I can establish you I will establish you again key word again no matter where you are I'm going to take you to the next again and then he says here's what the word resurrection means I want to bring to pass goodness in your life not bad and then it's also defined this way I want to set you up for a bright future and won't you say this with me that means it's absolutely Perfect timing for where I am. Here in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this, And a man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. And her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And if you study this, you'll find out, as we look at some chronological thing here in just a few minutes, there were four days, really, before Jesus got back to Lazarus. But when you study this, you'll find out that before the messenger ever got to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. And the reason I say this is because you begin to see something, and if you're not careful, you'll read this, and you'll think that Jesus is uncompassionate, and he's not caring, and he's not thinking. And, he, and then you'll see that expressed through Mary and Martha, how they were frustrated, that he didn't just pick up and come the moment he was called. And I believe that we'll see a bigger story in that. And he says, but when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus, runs, Lazarus <clears throat> sickness will not end in death. Let me just tell you guys where your life is right now. If it's here, it won't end in death. He says, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. 
So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And in the next statement in chapter 7, uh, verse 7, he says, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And in verse 8, it says, but the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Let me bring you up to speed here. Let's look into these disciples. Maybe we can relate to what they're experiencing. Maybe this will be the first characters we want to look at. Again, Jesus is the same all the way through this chapter. But these other individuals are the people we want to look at. You see, the disciples were with Jesus in the chapter before, uh, a few days before, and you see that Jesus was doing what he does. He was just preaching, and he began to say some things that caught them off guard, like, hey, I and the Father are one. We do the same. I'm like, and basically what they interpreted, what Jesus was saying, that he was saying he was God. He wasn't saying he was God. I'm just like my Father, and my Father and I are one, and we think and do the same, and that's who we are. And they wanted to stone him for it, and they wanted to kill him for it. So when the disciples hear Jesus say, let's go to Judea, back to where that was happening, come on. Listen, I like to go back to what Jesus, when he said, let's wait a couple days before we go see uh, Lazarus. Maybe he's thinking, look, that didn't work out so good for us before. Maybe even Jesus was uh, sympathizing with emotion, saying, I don't know if we should do that. But then he says, come on, let's go. And the disciples said, Jesus, do you know what's happening there? No way. Look, they tried to stone you. But that also means they're going to try to kill us too. We don't want to die right now. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll let the past be the thing that keeps us from moving into our future. And that's about what they were getting ready to do. And so Jesus, he responds to them and he tells them something really powerful in this next statement. He says, there are 12 hours of daylight every day during the day. People can walk safely and they can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. What's he saying? He's saying, look, if you want to do this without, do this on your own and do life by yourself, you're probably not going to have very good results. But as long as I'm with you, we're going to be all right. Look at somebody and say, we're going to be all right. (laughs) And what I like about that is because then we see here in verse 16, which is a really funny verse to me. It's probably my most favorite verse of the whole chapter. Because I can kind of relate to this dude when it comes to honor and when it comes to honoring the things of God and the things of uh, how powerful the things of God can be in our life. And that's Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas earlier. Here's what he says. (laughs) This is funny. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. (laughs) I like that. That's just funny to me. Maybe it's not so funny to you. But he just said, come on. We're going to die anyway. But I'm so committed, and I've seen what Jesus has done in my life in the past so many times. I know he'll do the same, and he'll redeem me and bring me out. Listen to Hebrews chapter five, chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. I am the resurrection and the life. I am this in your life. This is who I am. 13, 5 and 6. I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. So we can say with confidence. Look at somebody and say, hey, get ready to preach. No, I'm not going to do that to you. I love the next statement. It says, the Lord is my helper. And then the final question the writer poses to us, he says, what can mere people do to me? As he is in this world, so am I. Let's read it this way. What can mere circumstances in this world do to me? 
What can this mere moment of pain on Friday do to me? What can the mere moment of Saturday doubt and confusion do to me? Not a thing, because Easter's on the way. Let's jump down and go a little further. John chapter 11, same chapter 17 through 22. We're going to look at a couple of new characters here. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. and Many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Let's look at a couple, three things here. I'm going to throw a question at you. Maybe make a statement to you. When I read verse 17 and I see this, it says, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And then when I look in the, as we go on down this chapter, you see Martha and Mary both say something very similar. And they said, Jesus, if you had only been here, our brother, your friend, come on, Jesus, he would have lived. I wonder if we've already put life in the tomb and have accepted how life's going to be. Because that's what that tells me, is that Martha and Mary, and now we get to look at the character of Mary, Martha, and we look at how she begins to talk to Jesus. You see, they've already, you, come on, guys. As you see, they say the same two statements. What that means is there was two women in a house talking together and getting a little bit of go-to in their head sway and say, when that Jesus comes, I'm going to get a hold of that boy because he should have been here. He could have done something about this. I thought he loved it. You can just hear it going on, and, and they're mixing their life back and forth with the emotion of the moment of the death at the same time, still trying to have faith in Jesus and love him at the same time, but they're just like you and I. We all have had moments where we've questioned and doubted, Jesus, are you going to be there? Are you going to show up? And we've tried to plan our life based upon what our plan we thought should be, and all along his plan was bigger and better when he really showed up at the perfect timing. And sometimes we try to drive the plan of God and the plan of Jesus based on our own. Like the disciples, they were saying, he said, look, if you're going to try to do this by yourself, you're going to have a little bit of trouble along the way. I'm telling you, you're going to have a little bit of trouble along the way. But if Jesus is in the boat with you, that trouble will have an Easter on the other side of it. And here's Martha and here's Mary, and we're going to begin to look into the emotion that they were experiencing and the questions and the passion with what they said. Martha's the first one we look at. I like Martha because she come out of the house. She's the one that had some attitude. A little bit of respect at the same time, but she was bold enough to come out of the house. But I, when I look at that, I, I think about this statement because they both are kind of contrasting in each other. But I'm asking, if you look at Martha, read this with me. It says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house, Martha said, Jesus, Lord, if... If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Listen, Jesus told her, yes, your brother will rise again. A little bit of faith that she had shows up here. And sometimes I think that's where our faith is when it needs to be somewhere else. Yes, Martha said. He'll rise when everyone else rises in the last day. I'm wondering if you've got your visions and your purpose so far in the future that you've already settled and stopped trying to get them here. 
You're so concerned about that. Hey, you fought long enough and hard long enough now, and now you're really tired because you, you're not seeing it the way you think you want to have it. So what you did is you stopped walking in faith. Oh, you're keeping a little bit of faith in, it, in God a little bit, just enough to satisfy the people around you that I'm holy and I'm God. I love God and I love Jesus. But you really have let go of your dreams and your visions and goals and put them so far out into the future that it's beyond the resurrection. Why wait till then? That's what Martha was doing. So I'm challenging you, can you relate to Martha? Have you give up on your dream? Have you give up on your purpose? God hasn't. He never will. He wants resurrection now in your life. Hey, look, he knows it's going to happen when Jesus comes. That's when work kind of settles for a little bit. But right now, why would you let go right now when he wants you to make a difference right now? Right now, he wants you to be fulfilled and have peace and joy right now. Quit putting it so far out in the future that you're looking always there. I love the old hymns. I love the Gaithers. But I can't listen to the Gaithers too much. They make me want to go to heaven now. Because we're singing a lot about heaven. Great. I'm ready to go to heaven. But listen, if you listen to it long enough, you might just check out way too early. Because heaven gets exciting. Heaven gets appealing. And the more you look at heaven and you look at it too far, you will get frustrated with this life and stop fighting in this life. Because that will be easier. Let's look at Mary. I think can, maybe you can relate to Mary. Because it says Mary, she didn't come out of the house. She backed up so far into that house, she was frustrated with Jesus enough, she didn't even want to see his face. Maybe it's because she felt she didn't know what she'd do to Jesus. No, I think it's more than that. I think it's kind of like what happens to us. We get so afraid of life out there, we're not even trying to put it out there. We, we give up on that a long time ago. We're backed up in the corner of the house, giving up on God completely, and so consumed with our past and our addictions and the things that we're struggling with in life to, to where because we keep failing and we keep messing up, it's just easier to stay in the house and not face off with life anymore, and eventually you get to that place where, where there is no life. Well, guess what? Mary needed something, and I, again, I'll say it to you, you, you need people around you. You see, the number one goal of the enemy, number one, it's not to take your life. He knows you'll do it on your own if you'll do this. If he can get you isolated away from people, he doesn't have to work at taking your life. He knows you'll take your own because he knows that when life gets lonely and life gets into that place, then he knows he can get into your head and make you feel like you're unworthy and you have no God and God's not real and God's not existent anymore and make you give up. I have no purpose. I have no dreams anymore. I'm just going to mess up again. I did it yesterday. I'm just going to mess up all over again. Why, why go out there? So either you're Martha or Mary or neither one, but maybe you could be, can you relate to both of those? And both came out at some point, but it's interesting that Mary just needed that little bit of extra push. So push your neighbor, say push. I'm pushing you now. Get out of the house. Quit sitting in the house belly aching and waiting for somebody to come grovel with you because you don't like life right now. Come on! We don't like life every single day of our life. I like my most of it, but... Get around people that will challenge you in your stuff. Get in a small group. 
There was one other person that came into my life through this whole process of where I am today that, thank God for the small group. I had this small group with six, seven boys, anywhere from 18 to 25. And in that small group, guess what? We were talking the stuff, man. We were, they were telling me everything. I, was, I wouldn't tell them everything about me, but they were telling me everything about their life that they didn't like, what they were struggling, all their struggles. Woo, all their struggles. And about six months later, one of them married my daughter. <laughs> Thank God I knew the struggles before. Good God came in their life, blessed us. So when I put myself into this picture and, and, and I start to look at it, and I'm asking, are you ready to come to a place where you want God to bring resurrection into your life and you want to have a future beyond where you are? How much time we got? Plenty. Look at this. Look down here at Mary just a moment. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Because, see, she was asked to come out. She needed an extra push. Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus, everybody say Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. He said, where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby, see how much love he loved him. But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? There's always going to be people around you to try to stop your dream. There's always going to be people around you that are going to think you're crazy because you love Jesus. They're always going to want to question the things that Jesus are doing in your life. When you tell them the stories and the things that have, hey, and they always might be looking at you who you used to be. If you, many of you, that, well, there's a few of you in here that knew me B.C., before Christ. And I know sometimes you've got to look past that so you can see the heart of what's coming from me. I get it. But the thing that I see here that Jesus makes it very clear that there is not one emotion, apprehension, fear of failure or bad day or bad moment, even if you don't like, that he can't relate to. He's responding. He's not, look, he's not saying that I'm mad at Martha and I'm mad, mad at Mary. That's not what I'm mad at. I'm mad at that death and the enemy's coming to try to steal your life away. And he took one of my best friends away. Took my mom away. God didn't take my mom away. God didn't take your family away. Just because it was their time. It's the most hated. Can I meddle? Don't do that. Well, you need to know it. Quit blaming God for the death of people. God doesn't kill people because he needs more angels in heaven. He's got more angels than you can imagine. It's the devil that kills people, steals from people, gets into their head, makes them give up on life and quit life, steals the future from them. The Bible says very clearly that I am the one that comes to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. There's no mix of words there. And it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. When you've got hope of resurrection, you can look at both and know that death is, is, is the ultimate outcome is victory. I get it. But my gosh, please don't give in way too soon. Jesus knows every emotion you've ever felt. He's the only consistent in this chapter. 
Look at these next few verses and we'll get ready to close this thing up. Is this a good Easter for you today? (laughs) Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb of the cave and with a stone rolled across its entrance. He says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. She said, Lord, don't you know it's been, he's been dead for four days. The stench will be terrible. Let me just tell you something, guys. There ain't one of you in this room that your past doesn't stink. Quit letting your past be the thing that determines your future. Don't be so wrapped up in the smell that you forget to smell the roses of God in your life. And he wants to come into your life and bring so much goodness and so much blessing. And stop believing what people are saying. I don't care if you missed it five minutes ago. That stench doesn't bother Jesus. I'll tell you how it didn't bother Jesus because he didn't say a thing to her about the stench. She brought it up. He kept right on moving. And he says, will you roll the stone away? Look at somebody. Time to roll that stone away. Get that stone away from your heart. Can I invite you to do that? I'm wondering if we've got so many things so far up in the tomb, (laughs) so far up in the tomb, that we're afraid to even try to get to the door. Maybe I need some people to come alongside me and help push the door out of the way. Jesus needed help. Oh, imagine that. Jesus, don't you think he had enough power he could just go and move the door away? No, he was like a man on this earth, existed just like a man. He's making it very clear. You're going to need somebody in your life to help you move these stones away. And look at this family. Look at it. Look, 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 look. 200 some people in here this morning. If you will get involved and come to a family of a church, a local church, some fellowship, some assembly, somewhere together, not just us four and no more. I mean, let this thing grow. Let this thing get big. Get around multiple stories of what God's doing in your life. You do that. We do that. Then we can make a difference on the outer bank. We can roll a lot of stones out of people's lives, but it just might have to start with you rolling the stone out of your life. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. When I look at this final thing, I want you to hear something very clearly. He says, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. I am the resurrection and the life. You don't have to wait. Stand up with me this morning. You don't have to wait till Easter, my friend. Can you relate to the disciples? Are you looking in the past, keeping you from going here? Can you relate to Mary so far back that you've given up on your dreams and the things that God's got in store for you? Maybe you are Martha. Maybe you're willing and ready to come out the house, come right out the gate. But even you've got it so far in the future of victory that you can't even see the moment that you have opportunity right now. Baby, you can go ahead and come on up. Is you doing or is Hannah? You can look at that future and go so far with your future and forget that there's a daily walk that God has for you. Or maybe, just maybe, just maybe I need someone to come alongside me and help me experience resurrection in my life. I ask you those things this morning. What life are you living?
Is resurrection showing up? Don't wait till next Easter to have it in your life. Happy Easter. Thank you.